0: I'm Robin Hawkins, and you're listening to Watered Down Women. Watered down women, with diluted dreams, a home for joy has been washed down the stream. A fool's paradise, hoping to be free, found Isaac Newton was an English mathematician who formulated the laws of motion and his third law states that for every action there is an equal and opposite reaction. Of course this principle is usually applied to the fields of physics and science, but I would argue that this precept can also pertain to everyday life. When Jess Hall ended his and Eliza's lives, the force and magnitude of that devastation was met by an equally powerful ruination to the lives of their children. Imagine for a moment, being the 12 year old daughter of Jess and Eliza Hall, and sitting in a classroom of Mansfield's West First Street School, and the principal walks in, accompanied by an unfamiliar man They talk quietly with the teacher who then approaches you and whispers that you need to go along with them, and she quickly adds, you better grab your coat. Feeling minuscule and meaningless as you trail behind these powerful men, both wearing business suits, ties, and brightly polished black shoes, with the stranger carrying his overcoat and tightly gripping his hat. Your mind races as you wonder what kind of trouble you must be in. When you arrive in the principal's office, sitting in the corner, fidgeting nervously in his chair, is your younger brother with a snobbish looking woman standing next to him. She looks so dignified in her gray wool coat with its white fur collar and matching gloves and you immediately suspect that something bad has happened. You're asked to take a seat next to your brother. Then the unknown man tells you that he and the lady who is with him are from the child welfare board, and you must go with them because your parents died earlier in the morning, and you will be taken to the county receiving home until a family member will accept responsibility for you. At that moment, did the massive stones from that parish-like building feel like they were squeezing the life's breath from this child's lungs, just as the bullets had stopped her parents' lifeblood from flowing through their veins? Did she think back to her mother, Eliza, brushing her hair and kissing her forehead that morning before she hurried her out the door in an effort to safeguard her from her father's wrath? Did this young girl, who was now thrust into the role of protector, put her arm around the shoulder of her younger brother and pull him in closer for safety as they exited the schoolhouse and walked into an uncertain future? And did the school bell toll from its lofty tower as they drove away? as liquid rolled down the cheek of this heartbroken woman child. She might have been uncertain if it came from the heavy flakes of snow that were now falling, or from the tears that uncontrollably streamed from her eyes. On January 6th, 1955, a three-room house on Pryor Road had taken on a frenzied-like atmosphere as the onlookers meandered through the crime scene once law enforcement officers left the premises, leaving the bodies of Jess and Eliza Hall to remain on the kitchen floor until the coroner would retrieve them much later that day. A former neighbor, who was just a small child then, recalled his cousin allowing him to climb onto his shoulders and peek through the window of the Hall house and looked down at the couple as they lay covered in blood that had pooled around their bodies with the excess splattered across the kitchen walls. He said that he remembered several boys were lined up to look inside because all of the grown-ups had pushed their way inside and were taking turns viewing the bodies. The funerals for Eliza and Jess were held simultaneously and the little white church at the top of the road. According to attendees, hundreds of people were squeezed into the small church house, and one woman remembers their caskets being placed head to head, and she recalled that Jess was buried wearing a blue shirt and dark slacks, as Eliza was adorned in a light pink dress. But her most vivid memory from that day was seeing the hall children lined across the front pew of the church looking at their parents' bodies and wondering what must have been going through their minds. Elsewhere in the country, unprecedented events were happening as minorities were making major strides in crossing social barriers. On January 7, 1955, Marian Anderson became the first African American to perform with the New York Metropolitan Opera. And 20-year-old Floyd Patterson won a fifth round TKO at Madison Square Garden. The film and movie industry was advancing technology with planning the first televised presidential news conference. And Disney's much anticipated Lady and the Tramp would soon be hitting theaters while life was happening at full speed all around them the hall children's world had come to a tragic and sudden halt it was decided that an older sister would take temporary custody of the younger children and that permanent custody would be decided after a conference between the child welfare board and the adult hall siblings details of what followed are unclear as one account states that none of the children ever went back to the house and that all of their belongings were abandoned. Whereas another reported that the older daughters retrieved the family's personal belongings and left everything else completely untouched. The second scenario seems to be more accurate in that Alice, who we've heard from before, explained that at the time of the murder-suicide, Her family lived in a one-room house just a couple of doors down from the Hall's house. And after the deaths of Jess and Eliza, Alice's father arranged for his family to move into the Hall house because it was bigger and afforded more room for his family. She recalled her and a cousin being given the responsibility of going in to clean up the mess so her family could move their things into it before another snowstorm hit. Men's cleaned it, Uh, it was, it was a mess. Yeah, so, but the blood stain never did come up. I mean, you never, it never did, you know, uh, it was always there, I'll put it that way. In retrospect, housing arrangements were the least of the worries for the orphaned hall children the lives their parents led, modeled and established the behaviors and choices that would ultimately lead each of these children to his or her own troubled and shortened life. The manner of death of the parents would later pale on comparison to the high drama suicide by cop method that one of the Hall's sons would later initiate to end his own miserable existence. But there's our stories for another day, because now we're going to move forward in our timeline to the late 1960s and to the memory that piqued my curiosity and set this sad and reflective journey into motion. As you may recall, a hike in our family woods triggered a memory from my own childhood, a memory of the dark and forbidden woods that loom eerily at the end of Pryor Road. The lore of woods has been written about countless times throughout history. On its surface, stopping by the woods on a snowy evening, a poem by Robert Frost seems to reflect on the simplicity of life. He's captivated by the quiet beauty of the woods on a snowy winter's night and would love nothing more than to stay a bit longer and soak in the beauty of that moment. But he has other obligations calling him away. Hence his words, The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. But digging a little deeper into the poem's meaning, some analysts speculate that it in fact, alludes to something darker, such as death in general, and suicide in particular. There's an alluring quality to woods, whether to offer an imaginary battlefield for a game of cowboys and Indians, or to provide a cool escape on a hot summer's day, or to serve as a private hideaway for forbidden lovers. A wooded forest is often the backdrop for excitement and adventure. Think back to stories from your own childhood. Enchanted forests serve as a setting for many classical narratives. Pooh lived in the hundred acre wood. The seven dwarfs' woodland cottage became home to Snow White. Beauty met beast and found true love in the woods. Red Riding Hood was enticed further and further into the woods by a cunning wolf but found rescue by a huntsman. But in reality, not every story has a happy ending. Yesterday, I returned to Pryor Road and walked down to the very site that caused decades of intense pain and horrific memories for my family. As kids, we were forbidden to venture near these woods and were most certainly banned from entering into them. But I disobeyed that decree and wandered through the thicket of trees and brush and searched until I found the faded remains of a path, because according to the stories of bygone days, it was along that path, several yards from the road's edge, where the bodies were discovered sometimes it's so hard for our minds to comprehend why and how about some situations that it just seems easiest to allow the passing of time to form a callous barrier around our consciousness because time does heal all wounds doesn't it or does the passage of time help to develop enough scar tissue to simply cover the site of our injury and help repair the sustained damage. Regardless of the passage of years and the fading of memories, some wounds are so extensive that even the slightest tug at one's memory can expose the hurt and pain that lie just under the surface, causing them to break through and spread to the forefront of our thoughts and ooze into our hearts, bringing with them that intense anguish and sadness that we so desperately tried to bury. As I looked down in the path and thought about those ill fated lovers who ended their affair on that very site, I contemplated the world of Catherine Smith and the series of unfortunate events that led her to this location. And now, I invite you to join me as we dig into the life of another one of our watered-down women. Watered-down women With diluted dreams of home for joy Has been washed down the street a fool's paradise Hoping to be free Found a new home In the cemetery Grab a shovel and join me each Monday As we dig a little deeper And uncover the tragedies of watered-down women With no help from above Passionate promises, made with each breath, deceptive affection, ended in death.